Now we're going to be looking at um, Proverbs 14, um, and I'm going to read it and then pray. Um, so we're going to be looking from Proverbs 14 on page 637, uh, from verse 7 down to 16, although I'm going to concentrate on verses 7 to 9, um, but I'm going to read down to verse 16. So from Proverbs 14, page uh, 637, that's verse 7, okay, leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoys acceptance. Now let's pray. Father, we are aware as we come into your presence um, after a busy day that um, many of us, Lord, need to um, have help to listen and understand. And all of us, Lord, need the Holy Spirit to apply uh, to our lives the things that we we do understand. And uh, Lord, we we ask you, Lord, in your mercy and grace, that you will uh, help us to take things from these verses Uh, that will apply to our lives and help us to live closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to live live for him as uh, our Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to concentrate on verses 7 to 9. I'll read them again. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Now, I've I've, uh, titled this, uh, that this is to do with the Bible's warning about three kinds of fools and foolishness. Now, the first thing I'm going to do is look at the importance of realizing how foolishness infects our brains easily, our mind easily, um, and wastes our time and endangers our spiritual life. And this applies as individuals and actually corporately. It can actually happen. Secondly, I want to think about the foolishness that is in every Christian man and woman's heart. The old man, corrupt through deceitful lusts. And you'll see that verse verse, um, um, 8 attests to the folly of fools is deceiving. There's deceitfulness in the heart of the, th- the fool. And thirdly, I want to look at the, uh, at the importance of, of taking sin seriously and taking its remedy seriously in our own lives. Okay, I just want to f- uh, firstly point out that Proverbs has quite a lot of teaching about fools and foolishness. Um, actually, uh, in, the f- in the first nine chapters, it doesn't actually use the word fool, but it does talk about simple people young people, and it talks about the consequences of sometimes being simple. Uh, But from uh, chapter 10 onwards, we have um, uh, many uses of of the word word fool. And in fact, in in, uh, uh, chapter 14, we have quite a few instances where the word is used. Um, So in fact, from Proverbs 10 to 14, we have about 12 separate uses of the word fool. And then there's 30 other sayings about fools as we go on through Proverbs. Um, now, 
that's partly why I'm selecting three uh, and concentrating upon these tonight. Uh, I, I guess if we had a, a Bible study on, on uh, you know, 34, 40 um, four verses from Proverbs, it might, you know, take us right the way through the night. But all of those references to fools are warnings. And... Um, one of the things that we sometimes need to remember in, in the Christian life is that God has given us warnings. He's told us there are traps, there are dangers, and there are real consequences if we ignore his word. And uh, uh, this applies to the type of uh, foolishness that is, is mentioned in Proverbs and the type of fools that are in Proverbs. And in the 21st century, we may have different kinds of foolishness, Sometimes different kinds of fools. But the Bible does warn us about the basic principles of foolishness and the fool. Now, if I give an example. Um, In earlier centuries, you might have had the village gossip or the street gossip. uh, um, A man or a woman who spent their time talking about other people, often maligning them, slandering them, saying nasty things about them, exaggerations or even lies. And even if... If they weren't doing that, they were talking about their private life and their confidential private life as though this was something that should be openly discussed. You also, in a, in a village in the old days, you might have the, a con man or a liar. Everybody knew him to be a liar. And someone uh, that uh, you'd meet face to face and he'd, he'd try to cheat you. They'd also be useless, incompetent workers. Uh, actually, it mentions in uh, Proverbs 18 too. Um, uh, 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 and so it's about um, fools like like this, about incompetent workers, drunkards, um, and um, Proverbs eighteen two gives us the principle of much foolish talking. Uh, so if we turn over to Proverbs eighteen two for a second, you'll see it says uh, that's just a few pages on. It says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. Now, we move to the 21st century, and I note that we have all of the time people expressing opinions, not really taking any interest in spending time studying and understanding an issue, but offering their views on YouTube or on other social media. They give vent to, to often bitter gossip about people they've never met. Uh, they often, um, you know, just take a pleasure in, in actually inventing their ignorant opinions about the world and people. And actually, we can go further into the social media uh, and see that, um, although there's, there's nothing wrong in itself, of course, with having a chat with our neighbours, it's not necessarily gossiping, and of course, certain parts of the social media are really, you know, WhatsApp, Zoom, we use these things in the church all the time productively. But they can become things which are empty, which uh, pass on lies and exaggerations, which can lead to strife. Um, and there's something wrong with a society that's fixated on social media. Um, I, actually, uh, I actually typed into Google, how much time does the average teenager, that's why only as far as I got before immediately <laughs> Google read him read um, the, the computer, read, read uh, the thought, and added, 
an average teenager spend on social media in 2022? Well, I said, well, how much time does an average teenager? And then it put spend on social media in 2022. And in fact, um, the res latest research is the average teenager in the West spends three hours a day on social media. Three hours a day. And of course, those of us who are, you know, rather you know, long in the tooth might say, oh, tut, 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 all the young people, what they think they're doing. But actually, the average in the Western world is the average adult spends 147 minutes a day on the social media. That's over two hours. On things like um, Twitter, where you can, any twit can say what they like in 235 characters as many times as they want, unless they get censored for some reason by Twitter. Um, and, of course, you've got an insta vanity where people can put their pictures on, on and so on. Now, as I've said, actually, in family life, of course, many of us find these things quite useful. And there's nothing wrong, obviously, with uh, using Facebook or Instagram or anything, WhatsApp, to, to bolster family life, to keep in touch with people, to show friendship. These are, these are, these are really good things, aren't they? But clearly... It's foolishness to get your opinions, your guidance, your spiritual influences from social media, which is mainly full of non-Christians. YouTube is, again, is a wonderful... I mean, here we are. I'm on YouTube at the moment. Uh, but the thing is, and it's a great, marvelous thing for all sorts of you know, documentary um, music, lots of marvelous Christian sermons from great Christian preachers... YouTube is wonderful, but of course there is a dark side from a, from a Bible point of view because there are many thousands of YouTube videos with false teaching about the Bible. Lies and exaggerations about people in society, slanders about prominent people. Just another form often of negative gossip. And I want us um, to actually... Um, you know, apply to the social media and newspapers, which is my particular foible, which I think I waste too much time on uh, reading newspapers online. Um, actually, I want to apply what the Bible says to these things, that we should leave the presence of, of foolishness, not just the fool, but the foolishness of um, these influences, where if, if, if actually what they are retailing is not that which is good. What does Paul say? Philippians 4, verse 8. Let's turn over to it, actually. I won't just read it, but let's actually turn to it in our Bibles. And if you haven't underlined it in your Bible or learnt it, please you know, bear in mind it really is worth doing so. Because what does Paul say? He says, Philippians 4, 8, which is on page 1166. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, obviously, Paul realized that in the world we would meet people that weren't pure or honorable and so on and weren't, weren't perfect, weren't, weren't uh, the image of Jesus Christ. And He's not saying we shouldn't talk and, and listen even to their opinions when they're talking to us. But we shouldn't put ourselves in the position where we know we're going to be listening to things that aren't you know, excellent, aren't pure, aren't lovely, aren't commendable, aren't excellent, aren't worthy of praise. But we put ourselves in the way to listen to these things for hour after hour during the week. 
We are social be- beings, and the social media is pro- profitable, as I've said. But I think, looking at this passage, this does give us certain hints about our use of the internet, the social media on our, our phones. Yes, we keep in touch with our Christian church, our family, our friends. Use it to the, to the greatest degree to, uh, to share the gospel and to, to, to comfort and help people, just as we might have used the telephone in the past, just as an ordinary telephone. But let's, by all means, use social media in, in that respect too. And, uh, but what we do need to make sure is that what we're getting on the whole is giving and, re- giving and reinforcing good biblical guidance, how to live our lives. We should only be listening generally to sound teaching. And we should actually get, get the advice of, uh, of uh, uh, pastors and older Christians as to what is sound teaching. We should be seeking that social media should stimulate love and compassion and kindness in us. Uh, and newspapers online as well as paper newspapers can actually stimulate um, a, you know, a kind of rather aggressive political stance on a lot of issues. We have to be careful we're not infected with the same spirit of the world uh, that they have about politics. And we ourselves should become aggressive and, and uh, dogmatic and, and biting in the way we talk about politics. And of course, it overflows to other areas of, of discourse as well. And we should be seeking that, spending time on our phones, social media, we should, should encourage us in our walk with Christ. We shouldn't waste time on the babbling of fools. That's one of the biblical expression. We should leave the presence of foolishness. Leave the presence of, of fools. Now, maybe in discussion, we will, you know, um, people might want to ask about the more personal side. I've concentrated on social media because... Um, I think that is a, a real question in, in Christians' lives. But there, we still have this question. How does this leave the presence of a fool, fool actually work out in face-to-face contact with colleagues at work uh, and with other people? I would point out just certain, certain things which the Bible makes really clear about, um, about uh, particular individuals. Um, the Bible tells us that we should not have really anything to, at all to do with those that are false teachers, that deny the divinity of Christ, that deny the Bible. Um, uh, you know, John says, you know, if someone comes to your door proclaiming, you know, uh, um, you know not, not, not um, um, proclaiming a message that is the message of Christ, that we, should, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with them. We, sh- we shouldn't share in their wicked work by uh, giving credibility to, to, uh, you know, to, their, to their ministry of spreading um, um, terrible uh, lies about the Bible. Um, we should actually, um, of course, uh, Paul also tells us that we, we should also um, not have anything to do with those who are divisive. Seek to cause arguments and splits. You know, Paul warns us about this. You know, careful for these people. Don't you know? Obviously, don't don't encourage them and don't actually be involved with them. You know, leave the presence of of someone like this. Don't don't have a close relationship with a a so-called Christian who is actually causing uh, problems and splits in churches. Um, and. Paul also says, of course, it's true of, of Christians that have bad characters. Paul, Paul says, you know, um, that uh, we can be influenced by people like that. And he mentions 
lazy people, indolent people. You know, we've got to be. We've got to encourage these people not to be like that. Bad company ruins good morals, Paul says, or good character, we might say. So there is, you know, there is a, a clear application, not just for the general foolishness of. Um, uh, that we find in social media, but also actually in personal relationships. You may want to talk about how that actually is implemented in practice when we have a discussion. But I also want to, to, to point out there's, there's a foolishness that actually does come into the church, a foolishness of wrong doctrines. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, a warning, he says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, to suit their own temperament, to suit their own desires. They, they, they just have to, you know, they just have to get that itch scratched, you know. And uh, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, myths, myths are fairy tales, but I think in today's, in today's world, we might simply just re- refer to them as uh, simply fanciful, fanciful lies, things that aren't true. And, he's, and, and he says um, to Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded, you know, really be serious and minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your mi- ministry. So I, I now just want to point out um, some fanciful lies that do infect churches. Um, Let's start off with the healer's myth. Some people claim that they are like the apostles and they can heal people on demand. Uh, they, they, I, I, I remember when I was um, that way, kind of that, that uh, I had that kind of background with my friends when I was um, 20, uh, 19 at the time. And I remember I had a broken ankle. And I was evangelizing an alcoholic tramp who was only about 24, 25, a young man, um, but totally bound by alcohol. And he really wanted to become a Christian. He really wanted to change his life. And someone gave me a phone number of a, of a center in London for work amongst alcoholics and Christians. And this chap came up um, to collect him, which I thought was great. You know, this is from my college. Um, and uh, he... Um, he, he, know, he saw me for five seconds, saw that I had a, a broken ankle, and laid, laid hands on me and said I was going to be healed from my broken ankle. Me being open-minded, I thought, well, maybe it'll happen. But I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't healed. And, I, you know, I didn't call him into account either. Nowadays, I'd be very bullshit about it. So what do you mean? You said you'd healed me, and I didn't heal. Um, and... Uh, if he'd said to me, we didn't have faith, I would have said, it's not up to my faith, it's up to your, your, your faith, you say, you've healed me. Um, but uh, today there's so many people that will go around and say, come and I will heal, and there's no need for cancer today. There's no need for any illness. All you've got to do is like, and this, look, these are nothing but fanciful lies. We believe in a supernatural God who, praise the Lord, can work miracles in answer to prayer. But there is no magic sh- shaman, Christian, witch doctor, whatever you want to call them, that has this power to actually do the, 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 um, the, the, the miracles that the apostles did and also the apostles themselves gave the power uh, to various other people um, to, to do the, the, these kind of healings. They don't exist. 
And uh, the thing about it is, if they did exist, we would know it because they'd be on the front page of the newspapers. These men will be going into hospitals and actually raising people from the dead, actually laying hands on people that had serious organic illnesses or on the point of death and healing them, but they're not doing it. What they are doing is they're, 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 they've got a living going around about spreading this idea that there's, there's, you know, there's people that have got these healing powers. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. That's 1 Timothy 4 6. And then he goes on to say, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Don't go around, you know, uh, Timothy, you know, getting involved in, 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 in fanciful lies, exaggerations, and so on. But train yourself in the basic godliness of the Christian life. We need to understand that uh, blaming diseased persons don't, when the healing doesn't work, is simply uh, a travesty. Um, again, I've mentioned this one before uh, in church of a woman I met street witnessing 20 odd years ago who had breast cancer. And she no longer went to church because she'd been told she wasn't welcome at the church. Um, she'd gone forward for healing and she hadn't been healed. And uh, when she went the next week to say, well, I wasn't healed, he's, the pastor made it clear, well, you didn't have faith. And when she tried to carry on the discussion further, she was made it clear she wasn't very welcome. Now, the, the, the woman was potentially dying from, uh, from, from breast cancer, um, but they didn't want to know. And uh, the thing is that this is happening. This is happening in churches. And at the same time as that sort of thing is happening, where people are getting blamed because they're not being healed, the very people who do the healing die themselves of cancer. Catherine Coleman, the most famous um, uh, healer, supposed healer in the 20th century, she died of cancer in her 50s. A whole stream of leaders um, in the healing movement have died from cancer. John Wimber himself in a book um, he wrote in 1985 said, cancer is dying out of our community. You know, because God is healing all of these people. He himself had brain cancer when he died. He actually died from a fall but the fall was caused by his brain cancer and he, he actually died as a result of the fall. Um, now, you might say, um, well why am I uh, emphasizing this? Because this is foolishness. There should not be this foolishness in the church. We shouldn't have, we should not, you know, we should not, we should make it quite clear that, you know, the Lord, of course, can answer prayer and he may, uh, uh, he can cure any cancer. He can raise anyone from, uh, you know, from, from illness. And that is true, but that is an answer to the prayers of people. And we pray according to his will and he chooses whether he's going to answer that prayer or not. We need to make this clear that um, likewise people that claim that they have a, a, a deliverance ministry and they lay hands on people that have mental illness and claim these people will be delivered from the demon of mental illness are simply talking nonsense. I have known people, including some that have committed suicide, that claim to be Christians um, but clearly didn't have demons because they attended gospel preaching churches regularly were listening to the wonderful message of the cross of Christ and loved it and loved it 
And it is impossible for a demon-possessed person to love the gospel of Christ. Every demon-possessed person you read in the, in the New Testament, as soon as even the name of Jesus is mentioned, there's a massive uproar and uh, a massive uh, resistance. And there is no love at all for the gospel. And those who are mentally ill and love Jesus, tr- put their trust in Jesus, they haven't got a demon. They have a, they have a, a mental problem. And there are people... I've known people who have been counselled uh, that they've, uh, when they had a mental illness, that they're demon-possessed, and, and in some cases later on these people have committed suicide, but these people were not demon-possessed. I, we could go on about, about uh, you know, wild, inaccurate prophecies from people who claim definite prophecies, uh, and we have mentioned these before. People who've claimed great revivals are going to happen, earthquakes are going to happen, certain, certain fantastic transactions are going to happen, ships are going to be bought, m- millions of dollars are put down as a deposit, and the, and the, uh, and the ship can't be bought. Millions of, of dollars in that deposit were lost. But the per- particular person had a prophecy that it was all going to be true, and it didn't come, didn't come about. This, these are not Bible-based teachings. And we must, uh, we must ourselves understand it is foolishness. People have, uh, the people I'm talking about, most of the people I'm talking about are really well-intentioned Christians. And in many cases are fantastic Christians who love the Lord. But unfortunately, they haven't read their Bibles closely enough and they've allowed it a, a foolishness to come into what they actually, actually uh, are teaching. Now, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us we must flee from the presence of a fool and, and and i believe the principle is flee from the foolishness we must not have anything to do with it we must uh, as you know paul says uh, you know flee temptation we should flee foolishness uh, he says in 1, 1 corinthians 10 14 flee from idolatry um, uh, when talking about uh, people bound by the sin of idolatry but i think it applies likewise to foolishness leave the presence of a fool and uh you know, it, and why? Because it, although people may be well-intentioned, it can be dangerous to be in the company of foolish men or women. And we should bear this, bear this in mind. Now, I just want to uh, go on to, the, to, to my, next, uh, my next point, though, which is this. Scripture warns us also not to walk in the darkness of our minds. We have it within us a more toxic foolishness. Every man, every Christian man and woman has a more toxic foolishness within us than that which I've described already. Uh, for, now, if we go back to Proverbs 14, he, uh, it says in, in uh, Proverbs 14, verse um, 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving or is deceitfulness. Now, what it's saying here is the foolishness of the fool is is basically a miserable delusion. He both deceives other people and deceives himself. He cheats himself of the truth. Now, I found it fascinating that when I actually looked at verses um, verses 7 to 16, how, what, a, what parallels there are in what uh, the writer of the Proverbs says with Paul's teaching both in Ephesians and in Romans. Now, now, for instance, in, in um, 
Romans, uh, sorry, in Ephesians 4, verse 22, again, if you would like to, if you want to turn over, just, just uh, um, sort of bookmark the page with one finger, uh, you'll see that um, Paul talks about put off your old self. So uh, that's on page 1161, and he says in verse 21, assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life. Now, Paul is is unequivocal about this. He's absolutely clear. There is within every individual Christian two personalities, we might say, two life forces, the old man and the new man. The old man is the way we we used to live, the uh, affections, lusts, desires, habits of the old person we were before we became a Christian. And then there's the new person that's being created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. And Paul says in 4.22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Leave the presence of the fool. <laughs> you know, leave, leave the old man, put him off. Leave the presence of, of the fool. And he says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this polarity between the wise man and the foolish man is kind of, kind of mirrored really in both Ephesians and in Romans. Between the old man that is, is a fool, is corrupted according to deceitful lusts, as uh, it says in 4.22, uh, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And as it says in, in Proverbs 14, um, the, the fool is, has got these, uh, this deceitful self which fools himself and lies to other people. And then he talks about uh, qualities that are mentioned again in, in Proverbs. So Paul says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, well, that's one of the things that, that uh, fools do. Um, in my Bible study of those f- roughly 40 verses on fools, one of the things that came up was falsehood. So let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. 4.26, be angry, but do not sin. Now that, again, is actually even mentioned in Proverbs 14 towards the end. Uh, verse 17 of uh, Proverbs 14, a man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather labor doing, uh, uh, doing honest work. Um, uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but as only such is good for building up. That's verse 29. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Now, those qualities of life mentioned in Ephesians 4 are the qualities mentioned um, throughout Proverbs of the way the fool is. And... Um, I really, I'm not going to spend too long looking at Romans, uh, but I'm just, just, just reference Romans seven for a second, where we have this, um, this duality of the old man and the new man, uh, where Paul says in Romans chapter seven that um, Right, in verse, verse, uh, from verse 7 onwards. What shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the Lord not said, you shall not covet. 
but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandments, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be the death to me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it killed me. Verse 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Now, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions. For I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do was right, but not the ability to carry it out. And Paul is basically talking about this struggle going on between these two principles. The flesh and the spirit. The old man and the new man. And he, he basically tells us in, um, in chapter 8 that that is resolved when we now refuse to live according to the flesh, but now we live according to the spirit. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And he uh, goes on to say uh, that um, we now, our obligation is to live uh, not in the flesh, but to live in the spirit. That's in Romans 8 and verse 12. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. This is, sorry, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, so, so basically, um, what, is the, what is the attitude of uh, ourselves to our toxic foolishness that's within us? The answer is, you need to put it away. Have nothing to do with it. And we must seek, indeed, rather that God's spirit and his wisdom will actually uh, guide our lives. Now, final thing I want to, to, you know, to point out from, um, from these, um, these verses in Proverbs uh, is this, is that the, um, The, the culmination to these three verses is that fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Now, what does that mean? There are lots of, of different translations of these particular verses. Um, basically, there, there's a kind of a problem in the translation of the Hebrew because the... Actual verb mock is in a sing is is a singular um, mode. It's a, in, in the singular, um, and and basically um, fool is in the uh, is in the plural. But l there's loads and loads of different ways of translating it. For instance, for the New International Version, fools make fools mock at making amends for sin. Um, living translation, fools make fun of guilt. Um, the English Standard Version, fools mock at the guilt offering. Um, 
Another one make, says, fools mock the making of amends or making restitution. Um, King James Bible, fools mock at sin. Um, but the, the overall um, thing I can, we can conclude from it is that the fool is someone who doesn't take the sin offering seriously. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Jewish people had a, um, a particular way of dealing with sins in their life, and, 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 which was given by God, which was they, would, they were to go to, the, uh, to offer sin offerings. Now, the sin offering acknowledged the fact that there are consequences for sin. Paul tells us that the eternal consequences for sin is eternal death. The wages of sin is death. Um, but the Jewish, in the Jewish um, time, the Lord revealed a way uh, for people to find forgiveness through the sacrifice of animals and various other offerings. And this, of course, pointed to Jesus. They, they themselves couldn't take away guilt, couldn't take away sin. No, no animal's blood could take away the actual sin. But they were pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, who indeed is the remedy for sin. His blood is the remedy for our sins, where our sins may be completely, totally taken away. And, uh, but here we're told that fools mock at the guilt offering. Why is it that um, there are millions of people that aren't interested in Christ? Well, the answer is because they have a toxic personality with no alternative. They don't have another, there's not, there's not a believing person inside of them as well as the toxic personality. There's just the, the, the fool. The fool that says in his heart there's no God. The fool that, that even if he says there is a God, well, I'm not really, I don't really need to have a savior. I don't need my sins to be washed away. I'll do my best by myself or I won't take it seriously at all. And uh, this verse reminds us the only escape from those eternal consequences is if there should be a sin offering. Now, I want us to you know, praise the Lord that um, a sin offering has been made by our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, remember that all of the thousands of years of, of the Israelite history, all, uh, the, the, from, from Abraham, which was about 1,800 years before Jesus, all of, nearly 2,000 years leading up to Christ's coming, all of that history um, was a way of preparing a people, the Jewish people, to receive a, a set of laws and a temple and a, a, way, of, a, way, of, um, a way of living that pointed to the coming Messiah who actually would deal with, really deal with the consequences of sin completely. And we have to, you know, as Christians, take a warning from this ourselves. We have to really take seriously um, uh, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. Um, right in Hebrews, talks about people that um, fall away and hold Christ up to contempt, hold his blood up to contempt, because they irrevocably fall away. Now, many people backslide um, and... Uh, um, uh, Proverbs 14 refers to backsliders. 14, verse 14 says, The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. A good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. So backsliding can happen. It's happened to many of us. that We've gone away from Christ. We've gone away from our first faith. But praise God, he 
accepts backsliders back freely. Wonderful, a wonderful song in the book of Hosea, right towards the end of Hosea. I, I will heal um, my beloved. They've, they've been apostates, but they've come back. I will heal their backsliding. That's a verse that's repeated uh, both, I think, in Jeremiah and Hosea. Um, I will come as due to my beloved. I, um, the, the, the people of Israel have, have totally turned their backs, but I will receive them back. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a thing we thank the Lord for. That um, even, even Christians who've really failed the Lord um, are welcome back and can start again and um, uh, know that their sins are completely wiped away. And can have confidence that God is with them and will enable them to live out their lives to Jesus' glory. And um, uh, that uh, uh, he, will, he will not hold against them their, their previous sins. But we must take seriously a couple of things. The first is from 1 John, where uh, um, John says, this is on page 1210, uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. We'll start at verse 6. If we say we have no sin, sorry, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But firstly, we've got to check ourselves. You say you're walking in the light. I say I'm walking in the light. Am I? If we're walking in the darkness, if we're, if we're walking with a uh, toleration of a known sin, we need to come to the Lord immediately and ask for forgiveness. Get back into the light. Otherwise, we're just practicing a lie. But if we walk in the light, that is, continually, day by day, hour by hour, as we sin, immediately come back and, Lord, forgive me, and get back into the light. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. This is really important that we understand all sins are forgiven. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now that is the fool. I mean, that is the people that we meet on the street who say, well, I don't really need, I, I don't really need uh, anything. I'm fine. I'm a good person. The, the, uh, when, I, when judgment day comes, um, God will see that I'm a good person. No, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, this is a word of great comfort uh, to us. If we have fallen into sin and, and we're worried, well, here, here is this wonderful word of grace to us. You are completely forgiven. And, and you can walk in the light, and you needn't feel that you're bound by your past. However, we do need to take seriously also... Um, Uh, what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. Now I've mentioned about these parallels between Paul and um, and the the book of Proverbs and I I think there's another another parallel um, between um, Galatians chapter 6 sorry, page 1158 and what it says in um, chapter 14 verse 14. Proverbs 14 verse 14 says the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And what does Paul say? He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, that takes up the verse we looked at, the the, the second verse in that trilogy of verses. 
Um, chapter 14, verse 9. Fools mock at the guilt offering. Sorry, the third verse. Um, but the upright enjoys acceptance. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now, I'm, uh, I, I'm uh, of the view that this does refer to Christians uh, who continually carry on uh, sowing to the flesh. In other words, carrying on in, with sin and not leaving it behind. Um, Proverbs 14, verse 14, the backslider in heart. Backsliding has taken such a, a hold on that person that he just carries on, carries on, she carries on, year after year, um, backsliding. And the result is, of course, that there are, there are consequences. The, that person's character, even if they're saved, will be, corru- will be corrupted. They will, won't, be, won't have the, uh, the blessings of God in their life. They will find trials and problems and discipline sent upon them by the Lord um, um, uh, to make their life difficult until indeed they turn back to the Lord. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let's not weary of doing good. So um, Proverbs is, uh, is warning us of the... the uh, the, the deceitfulness of our heart and also um, the foolishness and uh, um, prof- profound, um, profound sin, really, of not taking Christ's sacrifice for us seriously um, and, not, uh, and not accepting the fact there are consequences uh, if we continue without repentance. The Lord wants us to come to repentance. Uh, but let's finish with this, this wonderful thing that it says in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 11. That, uh, sorry, 14, 14. The black slider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And a good man or a good woman will be filled with the fruit of his or her ways. And uh, here's the wonderful thing, that those who walk in the light will enjoy um, the fruits of the Spirit in their life and enjoy the peace and joy um, of Christ. Okay, I'm going to close in a word of prayer and then we'll open up on Zoom for a discussion of any of the points that I've made or anything, any other point that you'd like to make about the passage. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have warned us about foolishness in our lives. Help us to take these warnings uh, consistently Lord, in our lives. Help us to to leave the presence of fools and foolishness. And help us to, Lord, uh, have minds that dwell on excellent, beautiful, and lovely things. Uh, Lord, help us um, to uh, be able to uh, sow to the the Spirit, Lord, day by day, as we read your word, as we pray, as we share fellowship, as as we meditate and praise you. And uh, so, Lord, we ask you also to guide us now as we have discussion in Jesus' name. Amen.